1: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked on Texans, your daily podcast and news update. And as always, please remember, you can follow Locked on Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone and Spotify or any of all your favorite podcast streaming services. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my boy,
2: John, some sports guy Hickman on this wonderful Wednesday. You know, really quick, before we kind of talk about the Texans today, of course, we have the crossover week that we're doing with the uh, with the family, the Locked On Podcast Network family, and we will be talking to the Chicago Bears, Locked On Bears. I kind of want to talk a little bit with you guys. I mean, being an essential worker has really taken away a lot of the energy I've had as of late. I know we have essential listeners, you know, whether it's, you know, the doctors or the people working at the convenience stores or the, the super centers or the frontline, whatever, it doesn't matter. We appreciate you. And I know every day it's just a, you know, it's, it continues to get more difficult because it's unknown. A lot of these things that we're going through right now is still unknown. We're fighting something we can't see. Uh, but yesterday, was it just me or did the weather machine break or something like that? I mean, it was sunny all day on Tuesday all day and it was you know it's kind of messed up and i've been seeing this joke float around but taco tuesday single de mayo landed on the same day and we can't celebrate (laughs) it like we want to because of the coronavirus but you Uh, can't
1: celebrate that's what grubhub and doordash is for just just place your order and and and, and it'll come right to your door
2: and postmates by the way make sure you use postmates where they give you a hundred dollar delivery credit when you use code locked on but we want to go out right i mean Back in college, I would go to uh, Cafe del Rio. You know, here in Houston, I I, I love uh, – well, of course, everybody loves Papacitos and just the different Tex-Mex places around the city. We can't go out and celebrate it like we would want to. I mean, it's perfect. Taco Tuesday is on Cinco de Mayo, and we can't go out and have fun, Cody. I really do hate it. I
1: really do. Well, you know, you have to take what you are given And use it to the best of your ability. That's all I have to say. And if you will celebrate Cinco de Mayo or Taco Tuesday by eating tacos or whatever the case might be, Hispanic foods or whatever the case might be, you can still do that. It might not be the ideal what you want, but you can at least still do it, especially with your family.
2: Look at Mr. Optimistic. I definitely want to get back to as of, you know, yesterday on Tuesday, the entire day was sunny. And then all of a sudden it seemed like, Whoever came in for the uh, the second shift to work the weather machine was drunk because he celebrated the Cinco de Mayo or she celebrated Cinco de Mayo a little too early before this shift and all of a sudden it poured down rain. I didn't understand it, but nevertheless, we have a couple of things that I kind of want to address today before we talk to our Locked On podcast family. And, you know, we just mentioned the coronavirus and how we can't go out and have fun like we would want to. The Texans are planning to hire a facility hygiene coordinator and are believed to be the first team to do so in the NFL. The Texans are always looking for ways to be, you know, fresh, new, innovative and, you know, to take this step before all of the rest of the 31 teams in the NFL. I think that's tremendous uh, Would we'll be an external hire with a job posting in the near future. In unprecedented times, teams is being proactive about the sanitary conditions. So basically, they're going to hire a super glorified but qualified janitor, and I and I think that's pretty good. You know, they're going to do a lot of things with this. You know, look at the practice facilities, work with the the team, the players, the stadium, the NRG Stadium off 16 and Kirby. So taking this step in this direction, you know, I applaud it for the Houston Texans and this organization continues to prove outside of everything that matters on the field, while you could consider them one of the best organizations because of community service, because of the things that they do. I, like I said, outside of the field. I kind of want to transition over to the fifth round selection out of Rhode Island, Isaiah Cutler. The Rhode Island. Rhode Island football team was not good last year. They only won two games, but was a very dynamic receiver core between those two. We know that Cutler had just over 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns, but we drafted him in the fifth round. And I got to tell you something, Cody. We have a lot to look for next season or whenever he can actually take that step to where he can be a very good number two I'm not going to say he's a number one yet, but he has a lot of great qualities to be a very good receiver in this league for the Houston Texans. He has very good separation. And I watched tape on this guy. I watched tape. And I looked at specifically the Virginia Tech game where he absolutely balled out. I want to go back and say that he had uh, nine catches for 152 yards. That was following a week of 12 catches for 171. During his year last year, he had four games with over 100 yards, two games, or three games, rather, with over 150 receiving yards, and then one game with 153 receiving yards and three touchdowns. He has very good separation. He has a knack uh, a for 50-50 balls, a very good high point catcher, has a good stutter step to freeze the defender while uh, running his routes. his footwork is really well, and I have some opportunity, and I'll take more time to do so with, with Charlie Heck, We know about Ross Blackline, Jonathan Grenard, but I wanted to look at him because we discussed this early in the week. What are we going to do with Kenny Stills, Brandon Carr, Brandon uh, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, who is going to fill in that void, Kiki QT still, DeAndre Carter, who's on the roster, who's primarily a return man, but we'll see some receiver action this year. I like him, and I like what the possibility he can bring to this offense because he's young. That's what runs a four, five around that four, 4 4 in that area. And he can really win in those high ball, 50-50 ball catches, at least at the collegiate level. And he did play in a lower level in college at Rhode Island. He will be coming to the AFC South. He will be coming to the NFL period. So he will take some time to get used and adjust. But one thing that's going to help him out, ladies and gentlemen, his quarterback is Deshaun Watson. Right? And so playing with him, getting on the same cues with him, that's gonna help him out. It's not like he's coming into the league and no disrespect to any of the other quarterbacks, but he's gonna play with Joe Burrow, or he's gonna play with Tua Tagovailoa, or he's gonna go play with, you know, let's say Tua doesn't start in Miami and, and Fitzpatrick. He's not gonna play with these quarterbacks that kind of need things to go their way at this time, whether they're rookies or just they're Asian quarterback and you know that. Eventually, they're going to be out the door. They're not your franchise quarterback. You're going to be playing with a franchise quarterback in Watson, who I hope we can keep healthy this year. It looks like we will because our offensive line will be returning. Titus Howard will come back. We'll see the situation. We'll still look at the situation with Zach Fulton uh, at guard. I like him at guard. If we want to replace him at guard, slide him back down the center and maybe try to you know, work something out. To replace Nick Martin, or however the team wants to look at it, we know they got their swing lineman and Charlie Heck in the draft. But I'm very interested in what this guy can do out of Rhode Island. It's going to be interesting to see what he what he does moving forward. Listen,
1: I am high on Isaiah Cutler, um, especially, but but not as high as you. By the way, for you to sit here and say that you believe he has the opportunity to be the Texans' number two receiver, they might be stretching it a little bit too far. I mean, I've looked at film on this guy as well and yes, he is talented and yes, I do believe he can exceed at this level but John, the one thing about Cutler that bothers me the most is this is a guy who played football at Rhode Island University, a part of the Colonial Athletic Associated Conference. The corners and safeties that he went up against on a weekly basis are not the safeties and the corners of the ACC, the SEC, or the big 12, which means he is possibly playing and got scouted on a level where the competition is not that great. And that's no disrespect to Cortland. Hopefully this is a guy to prove me wrong, but I just don't believe he's going to come in his very first season and be a dynamic factor. Now, maybe 2 3 years down the line once he get used to playing on a high level especially on NFL level i can see something like like him being a number 2 receiver hopefully a number 1 we never know but number 2 is rookie season especially playing playing behind guys like Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller and Kenny Stills if he still's on if he is still on the team i, I don't see it man
2: Well, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Maybe I should have put emphasis on I think eventually for this team, he can become a number two. That's not right away. And then, of course, we're dealing with the COVID-19. That's going to really alter how teams go about their offseason with their rookies, OTAs and getting a chance to work these guys out. So I'm sorry. I should have been more specific when I'm saying eventually I think he has the talent. And you're right. He did play in a a low level uh, conference. That's why I went to go look at his play against Virginia Tech where he killed them, right? He had 150-plus yards. And, yes, we have Carl Steele's, and we we mentioned it. Well, you mentioned it just now, but we've talked about the possibility of Steels not being around, and I think that would be a stake, at least right now. Kiki, Fuller, Cooks, there's a lot of – OK, well, if these guys stay healthy type of receivers, what can this offense do? If these guys really play to their full potential, what can this offense really be? And I get that. And that's that's a real thought and concern at the same time. So I, I really want to say that I think at some point. I think he has an opportunity to be a very dynamic receiver and weapon for this team. Then emphasis on especially with Deshaun Watson as your quarterback. Guys, this episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar, the best tasting bar on the market in comparison to the Cliff Bar. Cliff Bar has two times the calories. Cliff Bar also has seven times the carbs and seven times more sugar than Bilt Bar. You definitely want to check it out. Trust me. I had one this morning, right before I started to work out, and it gave me everything I need to get through it. Chicago Bears, we're gonna to talk to our locked-on podcast family. Don't go anywhere. welcome back in ladies and gentlemen and all of our texan fans across the country hell even the world i mean we check the stats sometimes and a lot of you guys or a few of you guys are like canada and i think that's pretty dope cody uh just you know really seeing how far the love for the houston texans goes and i know even in canada they've been pissed and heated about some of the moves that have been made down here in houston by bill o'brien and the houston texas but we're going to get into that a little bit Right now, coming on to the show, we got Lauren Cox representing the Locked On Bears. And before we even get into it, can I ask you a question, Lauren?
1: Oh, Lauren, Lauren are, you, are you sure you're ready for this? Oh, I'm I'm ready for anything you want to throw at me.
2: Okay, well, first and foremost, thank you for joining the show, of course. I mean, we, we really appreciate it, you know, taking time out to just talk Bears, talk Texas, and talk football. And I hope you and your family has been, you know, being as safe as possible and sanitized during this entire COVID-19 pandemic. Oh,
0: trust me. I've been compulsively washing the hands and all that good stuff.
2: <laughs> oh man, I've been doing the same as well. But, you know, can I take it back a little bit in time? Let's just say, you know, the draft was not too long ago, right? Let's just say this is 2000, I don't know, 17? Oh no. <laughs> and. Wow. I mean, what happened in that draft? I mean, something happened. Somebody traded up for, oh, the Chicago Bears traded up for Mitchell Trubisky, and uh, wow. Thank you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think Chiefs fans are also pretty thankful for that as well. Oh my
2: gosh. Yes, they, they are for real.
0: for everybody except for the Chicago Bears. And I, you know, I would like to, to let the record reflect that heading into that draft, Deshaun Watson was my number one quarterback. He is who I wanted the Bears to take number three overall. I thought you had to get a quarterback of the future for sure with that spot. And it, Watson was my first choice, but he was not. Ryan Pace's first choice, and he really sort of stuck his reputation on, yes, not only am I going to take this quarterback, but I'm going to trade up one spot and give up a a third round pick, I think it was, to move up one spot to say, I believe this quarterback is better than every other quarterback in this draft. And it's hard to be any more wrong in terms of the dichotomy between what Trubisky has been and what Watson and even more so Patrick Mahomes has been, although Bears fans will be quick to say, well, they were in better situations or Mahomes was in a better situation Blah, blah 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 you know you can make up reasons for it but flat out the bears got the wrong quarterback in that draft
2: yeah not only did they get the wrong quarterback in that draft it just seems like that move kind of screwed them up you guys up for the until now because you know kind of fast forward 4 years later you just traded for a 4th round pick might i add Nick Foles and so going into this offseason and I want—I really want to get your insight. What are the Bears really doing with this quarterback now competition controversy, I believe, as well? They just declined Mitchell Trubisky's fifth-year option in his future, not only with the Bears. I may think the NFL is really riding on this year. What's going on in Chicago? So they're calling
0: it an open quarterback competition that, you know, made the best man win. And, you know, even though Trubisky is sort of the incumbent, Nick Foles comes in with a better knowledge of this offense than most other quarterback options would have had this offseason Cause he was with Matt Nagy in Kansas city for one season He's with Matt Nagy in Philadelphia under Andy Reid as well. So there's some built-in familiarity there, but it also kind of felt to me like it was maybe not, perfectly prioritizing just getting the best possible quarterback. I mean, there were better quarterback options out there. The, the Bears didn't go after Tom Brady at all. They didn't go after Philip Rivers at all. That Jameis Winston was on the market for a long time. Cam Newton still on the market. And, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks have flaws, as does Nick Foles. But it, it never felt like the plan was to get the best possible quarterback, but rather to get competition for Mitchell Trubisky to still give him that opportunity to show them something more. And I I think expectations should be pretty low for him at this point, just given his ups and downs and his inability to be consistent in that regard. But they're, they're leaving it open and hoping that between Trubisky or Foles, they can get one consistent quarterback for most of a full season.
1: First and foremost, um, you might be talking to Nick Foles, biggest fan here, and you say his name wrong is actually pronounced Nick, the goat Foles. And um, with that being said, Given everything that Nick Foles had accomplished in his career so far, and you see what Mitchell has not been able to accomplish in his career, would you or would you not, if you was the general manager of the Chicago Bears, would you or would you not automatically give Nick Foles the starting big heading into week one, knowing that at least with Foles, you have a veteran quarterback who can win, i.e. already won a Super Bowl and was named Super Bowl MVP, who can not only win, but actually play to a level that can help the Chicago Bear team reach a level that they have been dying to get over the last few years? I think, you know, they don't want to just give it to him before he shows up and at least
0: proves something. But I think everyone in Chicago is expecting Nick Foles to start by week one to, to fully win this quarterback competition for a lot of the reasons that you explained. I mean, Nick Foles has been a successful quarterback more so than Mitchell Trubisky, but you know, Foles himself has had, some downs, you know, some some struggles in there too. His year in St. Louis in 2015 didn't go particularly great and he didn't have a very good start last year in Jacksonville, but it feels like when he's been in this similar offensive system in Philadelphia and Kansas and Kansas City and he's had good weapons around him and he's had a strong defense to help him, it it feels like you give him a supporting cast and he's been able to be successful. And the Bears feel like they've done hopefully enough to give him a strong enough supporting cast. There's some potential you know wiggle room there in terms of how good this supporting cast is but they you know they like the talent they've amassed around him and feeling like if he could just be enough of a better quarterback than Trubisky that this team can be back on track and be back in the playoffs I have my doubts as to whether we can get MVP level fulls for full 16 games but if you can at least get pretty good and more consistent quarterback play I think the Bears would take it at this point
2: and I kind of want to focus a little bit more on Pace, your GM. Uh, you guys have really built a defense. You know, you, you drafted Eddie Jackson. We know about Roquan Smith, who I think is a stud at, at linebacker, and I think, you know, outside of his partying that he's doing right now not practicing uh, social distancing. I think this year would be a very good year whenever we get back to playing football for him. You drafted Eddie Goldman. Then on the offensive side, you drafted Tari- Tariq Cohen. You drafted Cody Whitehair. Pace has had some good draft picks. Very good draft picks, might I add. But, I mean, the Mitchell Trubisky trade, and there's a rumor. And I, I, One night I was just in a rabbit hole on YouTube, and I was just going down watching stuff, and it just seems like, I found this video, clicked on it, and there's a rumor Pace Mike Trubisky because of the car he drove. I don't know if you read or heard that story, but he's had some misses. Trubisky, Kevin White in the first round. Does it seem like, you know, he has also a lot riding on this season due to the fact you just declined the fifth-year option of a quarterback you chose over two All-Pros, one Super Bowl MVP, one league MVP, and we know what Deshaun Watson can do. Where where does he stand right now, Chicago?
0: That's up in the air. I think generally he's got a little bit more job security than you'd think, but it's a little bit hard to tell. And I think the way I look at it right now is if the bears, you know, totally implode this season and win, you know, four games and you know just have a terrible season, I could see him getting fired. But I think if they can go 500 or better, even if they miss the playoffs again, but at least kind of show some improvement and, and, trend in the right direction i think his job is safe for the short term because of some of those reasons you talked about he has drafted well he has done decently well in free agency his big issue has been first round picks like you said kevin white mitchell trubisky uh, leonard floyd they just rescinded his fifth year option and let him go in free agency and sign with the los angeles rams those picks haven't really panned out he's missed a couple of second rounders as well but he makes up for it with some late round picks eddie jackson being a fourth round pick Adrian Amos, the, the safety they used mm-hmm. to have where they let side with the Packers was a fifth-round pick. The running back, Jordan Howard, was in the fifth round. They, they, they found some quality players on the third day of the draft, which is should be more difficult than the first round, but has been a bigger issue for the Bears. So that's why Ryan Pace, I think, in part, traded two first-round picks for Khalil Mack, because then you can't get the first-round picks wrong if you trade them to another team. <laughs> you're guaranteed to have Khalil Mack. So his team-building overall, I think, has been a positive, and I think that's given him enough job security, even though... He's been missing repeatedly on quarterbacks, not only with Trubisky, but Mike Glennon before that, and, and now Foles remains to be seen, but hasn't drafted any other quarterbacks during his regime as general manager.
2: Well, I think his biggest issue on the outside looking in is offense. I mean, he did draft Howard. He did draft uh, three coin, but he cannot draft a quarterback to save his life, like you said. And then you also look at uh, that Kevin White trade. I mean, not trade, but draft was just very terrible. I do want to give him credit for that Khalil Mack deal. I think what Khalil Mack brings back—I'm sorry—what Khalil Mack brings to that defense, is just the intensity of a guy who was an All-Pro at two positions, and he takes the load off everybody else in that front seven to make their job easier, which then takes the load off the entire defense because everybody's able to fly around and fly to the ball and. You know, play with intensity, play fast, and I really do love the Chicago Bears defense. I thought it was good enough to make it to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. You guys just picked up Tasha Gibson, who we released last week. What are your thoughts on that pickup?
0: Yeah, safety was one of the big remaining holes still on this defense. I mean, for the most part, Pates had added some more pass rush with Robert Quinn. The defensive line's healthy again with the Keem Hicks coming back from injury. Inside linebackers were hurt last year, and You know, they had signed a a cornerback and used a second round pick on a cornerback to kind of have some more depth there. But safety was the one spot next to Eddie Jackson where they let Haha Clinton Dix go in free agency a year after letting Adrian Amos go in free agency. And they didn't really have that ideal pair for Eddie Jackson. So Gibson can come in, you know, low risk on a one-year deal. I know he had some injuries in Houston and wasn't quite playing up at the level that he was earlier in his career, but I think he can come in and again, benefit from some of those players around him. Like you talked about, they don't need him to be a big time playmaker. You know, if he can just, you know, do his job, cover his guy. He doesn't have to have five turnovers next season, but if he can just, you know, make the tackles when the ball comes his way and generally kind of hold his own, I think he gives them some flexibility because he can play deep and they can let Eddie Jackson come up and cover the slot and use some of his past experience as a cornerback doing some things that way. Or Gibson can play in the box and cover the slot if they want Eddie Jackson to be roaming deep. So I, I think it's it's one of those savvy signings late in the process where he doesn't count against the compensatory pick formula and if for whatever reason he doesn't pan out, the Bears aren't going to be tied to him long term and won't have to pay him any extra guaranteed money.
1: You know, the Bears are an interesting team. And one thing I want to ask was, what changed between the 2018 season when you guys were 12 and four, and in 2019 where you guys fell to 8 and eight? What was the difference between those two teams? Because I I, I know last year a lot of people wanted to put the blame on on Mitchell a lot, but I mean, you guys had Mitchell as y'all quarterback in 2018 and y'all was still able to round out 12 wins and, you know, had one of your best seasons in recent memory. So what was the biggest difference between what we saw in 18 and what we saw in 19? Yeah, I think uh, there were a couple of things. One, the
0: defense in 18 was so good. I mean, they were the the number one defense in the NFL for a reason. And they had just an insane number of turnovers. They were getting after the quarterback. And to some extent. It was going to be really hard to do that twice in a row, and so the twenty twenty nineteen defense wasn't as good, and, and injuries played a pretty big role in that. Khalil Mack, you know, what w- was banged up, he still played all sixteen games, but was not a hundred percent for a lot of the season, so he wasn't quite as productive. They had both their inside linebackers miss at least four games, of, you know, and having their third and fourth string inside linebackers in there quite a bit, and they had some injuries on the defensive line as well, and had to go with a, a almost full backup starting lineup with that group so it was not a healthy defense by any means and I just think offensively a lot of their younger guys didn't necessarily improve in the ways that they wanted you know Trubisky kind of hit a wall and and wasn't any better than he had been the year before and they were waiting for some of their younger receivers to be a little bit more productive and that kind of dropped off and they replaced Jordan Howard with David Montgomery the rookie running back from Iowa State and the running game wasn't nearly as effective And, and their offensive line even though it was the same five starters as the year before for whatever reason they just couldn't pass protect as well. They couldn't clear up as much space in the running game. Something was just off. They weren't playing at as high of a level of play. It was it was something that I think Bears fans were constantly looking for answers to. I, I didn't even mention the tight end position where their number 1, number 2 and number 3 all finished the season on injured reserve and they had no, they had no tight ends with over 100 yards last season uh, on the season as a whole. Every all, like six of their tight ends caught passes and all were for less than 100 yards. So I mean, there was a lot of injuries and a lot of different things that went into it, but it was just generally underachievement across the board.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. And more importantly, I think Matt Nagy, if you don't, if, if you maybe you see a different insight before moving along, I think Matt Nagy just tried to do too much. Uh, and didn't stick to the formula he, you know, originally did from his previous year. When you guys went 12 and 4, and just a kick away from making uh, was the NFC game, NFC championship game Super Bowl? I mean, you are about to make it to that point. And I think going into last year, especially that first game, I felt like Matt Nagy was just trying to do too much. But I also believe, like, believe that that was because rather uh, he knew what he had at quarterback, so he had to disguise it and scheme it differently, so it'll probably protect. Uh, Trubisky moving
0: forward yeah that's sort of my sense too that it, it felt like the playbook was sometimes limited like he couldn't do everything that he wanted to do in terms of opening up the way he would with say Patrick Mahomes or even Alex Smith before that in Kansas City and the Bears were sticking to simpler passing concepts and so Nagy would try and get creative in other ways to try and keep the offense moving or try and generate some offense and get some guys going in different ways but it never it wasn't you know, it was, it was a little gimmicky in that regard. And they couldn't quite get something consistent and run the true Matt Nagy offense. So I I think that was a big part of it. Part of it. I think the tight end position is really valuable in this system. The way Travis Kelsey is in Kansas city and uh, Zach Ertz is in Philadelphia that takes so much of the attention over the middle of the field to create more space for the receivers and the running back out of the backfield. And with no threat whatsoever at tight end, then defenses were able to key in more on Allen Robinson and on Tariq Cohen out of the backfield, and the Bears couldn't get as creative in the passing game that way either, and then they could also focus more on the running game and kind of shut things down. So I I think a lot of it does come back to the limitations at quarterback, but there were certainly more the Bears could have done around the quarterback as well. So it's not as easy as just blame everything on Trubisky, but he was certainly a big part of it.
2: Bill bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. Built Bars are tasty, not none of that bland, no flavor bars. No, none of that. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Who doesn't like candy bar? Snickers, Mr. Good Bar, the whole nine, but it's just a little bit more better for you. 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate nut flavors, eight chocolate nut free flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy like me lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber which is what you really need if you're really trying to get it a little bit healthier flavor profile here peanut butter brownie 20 grams protein 170 calories 3 grams sugar 3 grams net carbs go to BuildBar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get ten dollars off your first order Again, that is promo code locked on for $10 off at buildbar.com.
0: Welcome back into this Locked On podcast crossover. I'm Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears here with Cody Davis and John Hickman from Locked On Texans. And now that we've gone through sort of where the Bears stand at this point in the offseason, let's turn our attention to these Houston Texans. And let's start with the Houston Texan who's made his way to Chicago now, Tashawn Gibson. I know you guys were pretty big fans of of what Gibson did in Houston. Could you take us through sort of uh, what his 2019 season was like and and why Houston decided to release him after just one year?
2: You know, absolutely. I think his 2019 season for the Houston Texans was really good, actually. I think the releasing came – we we had a conference meeting here in Houston, the media did, with Bill O'Brien, and there was questions asked about the secondary – Bill O'Brien really raved, I mean raved about the versatility of his secondary, and he mentioned Reed, he mentioned Roby, he mentioned Conley, he mentioned, you know, all pretty much all of the secondary, except for Tasha and Gibson. And it, we got to remember Gibson was also brought in by Brian Gain, and I think Bill O'Brien has really done I'm not going to say a remarkable job, but he's been very headstrong on removing any footprints left by Brian Gain. But I didn't like that because I thought that in his season last year with his three interceptions, Gibson played very good for the Houston Texans. And, I mean, we look at what he did last year in those 14 games before uh, he was, you know, out those last two games of the regular season and the playoffs due to injury. You know, he had 37 targets, only allowed 20, but only for 290 yards in his average completion was 14 and a half last year, which was, you know, it went down from the year prior when he allowed 18 yards per completion and he only allowed one touchdown. At safety in those 14 games last year, I believe that he had a very successful year. And I was looking to looking forward to seeing him come back, partnering with Justin Reed. And I, I knew at some point we would find a replacement for him because, you know, he's been in the league a long time and. O'Brien likes that versatility. I mean, we all do. We all like a guy that can do everything. But you kind of should have resigned Honey Badger who just won a Super Bowl. He can do everything on the defense. Nonetheless, it was kind of shocking to me that it happened without even kind of seeing if he could still play, but I also have a speculation that the injury uh may have been worse than what it was and the Texans knew that and didn't want to risk going into the next season with him.
0: Well, it seems like, you know, you use the word shocking there, or at least surprising to you. And it seems like that's been a a theme for a lot of recent Houston Texans decisions. So, Cody, I wanted to ask you. This is probably the the bigger question besides Tashawn Gibson. What is, I mean, what is Bill O'Brien doing? You know, I think a lot of people outside of Houston see uh, some of these moves and really question. You know, the you know the trade of uh, DeAndre Hopkins for the David Johnson, and just over the last few years, trading a lot of draft picks and not getting a lot of perceived value. Nationwide are are Houston fans just as confused or concerned, or or are you guys seeing more of a plan and a direction here than we are on the outside?
1: Oh well, of course, everyone around here is confused and concerned about the direction this franchise franchise is going, especially from them trading DeAndre Hopkins. But at the end of the day, it's like what I've been saying once you take your emotions out of it and you look at in hindsight. Bill O'Brien stated in a couple um, press conferences that he had before the draft and either after the draft, what he's trying to do is have this team become more dynamic. Now, if you go back to in years, pro- years prior, DeAndre Hopkins is by far arguably the best, if not the second, no lower than third best receiver in the league. A lot of times when he was on the field, everyone knew, OK, the Texans are going to come out. They're going to give the ball to Hopkins. They're going to they're going to drop the ball to Hopkins on multiple on, on damn near every single play. Last year I noticed something different. Bill O'Brien wanted to take that and flip it and say, "No, we got a little bit more weapons. Let's let's do something different. Let's not force it to DeAndre Hopkins every single time because we know he's going to catch the ball. Let's try to use Fuller a lot more. Let's try to use let's have a dynamic backfield with Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. What I'm sensing with Bill O'Brien, with everything he said in the press conference, that's the direction he's trying to go. He's trying to have more of a dynamic standpoint when it comes to the Texans. And you take a look at the guys that they brought in after DeAndre Hopkins had left. You brought in a guy like Randall Cobb, um, um, Brandon Cooks. You You take a look at David Johnson, who, you know, if he can stay healthy and give you at least half of what he gave you in 2016, of course, he is nowhere near the production of a Hopkins, but just bringing in those pieces and even drafting a guy like me and John talked about in the first segment, which is Isaiah Cutler. Those guys open up the Texans offense so much more. It make us, it makes Houston more of a threat because like I said, years prior, it was give the ball to Hopkins. Let him, let him go to work. Let him do his thing. Now, if, you know, for example, when we play you guys this year, it's going to be what? What are your secondaries going to do? If you pay too much attention to Will Fuller, then that's going to leave Kenny Stills and Brandon Cook and 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 Randall Cobb's open. If you pay attention to other to those other guys, you you know you leave you you leave guys like Will Fuller open, and it it just when you take out the emotion and get over the the shockness of damn, we just got rid of arguably the best player in our franchise history, it. It's just it, the moves makes this team a hell of a lot more better if you take a look at the talent on paper. Now, I will say this. The number one factor that's going to play into Bill O'Brien's trying to make this team dynamic is the health of these players. And I don't know if you know, but Will Fuller is a guy, look like he cannot play more than eight games of a season. You know, David Johnson, he hasn't probably played a full season since 2016. If those guys and if health stay on our side, I believe personally, John has his own opinion, but I believe personally that the Texans are going to be even better with the subtraction of Hopkins. But it still hurts, I must say. It still hurts. You know, I I try not to share too many tears. I'm I'm not going to cry no more,
0: no more. (laughs) John, he said you have a a slightly different view on that.
2: What's your take? Well, uh, I'm not too far off. I like the Brandon Cooks pickup. I really do. He's only missed two games due to concussions or due to injury in his career. I really do like that because last year he played with a Jared Goff who is not really that good throwing the deep ball this year. Deshaun Watson is a 50-50 on deep ball completions. I like that. You know, one thing I really hate about not only the DeAndre Hopkins deal, but the Jadavion Clowney deal, these two players, at least at least at the time, both warranted a first-round pick. And I don't think I'll ever get over that. Now, uh, when I look at Jadavion Clowney, he was right. Bill O'Brien was right about that. J- Jadavion wanted twenty twenty million dollars a year. He's knocked that down to basically what he would have been franchise tag last year. So he saved the franchise money. DeAndre Hopkins, we can look at that. We can, you know, we can always go back and forth. But I do believe in the future, getting hit from multiple areas. Well, that's what made the Chiefs so good. We know that. Tyreek Hill is really the most dynamic player on that offense, not named Patrick Mahomes. And we know how great Travis Kelsey is. But throughout the year, Harden and Robinson was factors. They had a very good running back by committee that was able to run the ball effectively. And then not only that, catch out of the backfield as well. They have weapons across the entire offense. And I'm not going to say that Bill O'Brien is trying to follow that blueprint because At times, I don't know what blueprint he's trying to follow, but I believe that he and Tim Kelly worked together to figure out what their weaknesses were. And, I mean, we can agree, if you watch the Texans last year, if Hopkins goes down, we have nobody else because nobody else is also on the field at the same time. Fuller went down. Kenny Stills went down. and We had to play a game with DeAndre Carter because Kiki QT wasn't down, but he was so far in the doghouse that Bill O'Brien didn't want to give him a, a, any time of day on a Sunday to play. Now we have Cooks, Stills, Fuller, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Randall Cobb, Kiki QT is technically still on this roster. And then we just drafted Isaiah Culler. Those are five guys right there, five or six guys right there that can really help this offense because it'll be more balanced. And I like balance.
0: Yeah, that definitely feels like a good thing, and it, it makes sense. Like you can see, it's not like Bill O'Brien is just throwing darts at a dart, you know, at, at a wall and expecting. I mean, there's there's at least a plan and some sort of thought process back there, even if it's not always super obvious right at front. But I, I was curious. You mentioned Jadavion Clowney there, and and that decision working out well financially. But I, I kind of look at this Texans defense right now, and I I don't know. I see as You guys feel like pass rush is still missing. A little bit here. I mean, obviously, J.J. Watt, everybody knows how great J.J. Watt is when he's healthy. And Whitney Merciless is still a strong pass rusher on one of the edges. But I, I don't see a lot else in terms of consistent pass rush. Do, do you think those guys are enough? You know, mixing in with, you know, some of the inside linebackers blitzing sometimes and the other defensive linemen. But I don't, I don't know. What, what sort of the state do you think of this, this Texans pass rush now uh, more than a year removed from Jadavion Clowney?
1: Um, for me, yes, it's still a concern, but hopefully that is a void that they was able to field in the third round of their draft by a, a guy that they picked up by the name of Jonathan Grenard. This is a guy who led the SEC in sacks last season, and I'm very high on him. He's by far my favorite pickup that the Texans have, and I do believe, you know, once he get his feet wet in the NFL, I believe midseason, possibly towards the end, give him enough time, he's going to be the guy to take over Jadavion Clowney. And And the the reason why I feel that way is when I looked at his player comparison, they compared him to a younger version of Jadavion Clowney. Now, going into the draft, I actually wanted the Texans to go out and get an edge rusher because you mentioned J.J. Watt, and Watt has done a very good job throughout his whole entire career of holding down that front seven, holding down that defense. But the only problem with that is Watt is getting up there in age, and you're looking at, what, Three out of the last four season, Watt's season has came to an end prematurely due to an injury. So the Texans organization should be they 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 haven't came out and stated, it, but we're hoping that they sh- they they are having that they, they they should look into bringing they should look into bringing somebody in who can take over the reign once JJ Watt hang it up because. Me and John do believe that we're not going to get no more than two more seasons left out of J.J. Watt. After his contract is up, we believe he's going to hang it up. And the Texans, they need to put themselves in a position where, okay, we have a young guy in Gennar who can learn the ropes from Watt and who is also talented, who can fill in that void but a void that we have been missing ever since we departed from Jadavion Clowney.
2: Yeah, and on top of that, I think when we look at Grenard, we also got to look at our first pick in the NFL draft this year, Ross Blacklock out of TCU, and who's from Houston. We also got to look at the guys that's already on the roster. Charles Omenehu out of Texas, uh, Duke Elior, I always mess up his name, and I'm going to continue to work on that, but he will be coming into his third year because he missed the entire last year of injury. And I, I, I kind of I get a sense that it may get a little too crowded for him. So he's going to really need a good training camp in preseason. But I think collectively, that's what it's going to have to take. We're going to have to really bog down and see what Anthony Weaver, our new DC, is going to be about. And if we want to attack the offense, then everybody's going to have to step up, of course. But I don't know if we have that one premier dominant pass rusher that we can count on game in and game out, not named J.J. White. And honestly, J.J. White missed eight games last year. So I don't know if we can count on him too much longer, as we've discussed before. Everybody, and I mean everybody on their defense is going to have to be utilized in different ways in order to attack the offense that we're going to be playing against and keeping them on their heels. But I I definitely think it starts with playing on the inside. Eventually, I would like to see J.J. White move inside full time along with Ross Blacklock. And then we can fix our edge rushing positions, adding dynamic players across the board. But going into this year, I am counting on Grenard by game seven or eight to really kind of take off. And I'm excited to see what he can do here in Houston.
0: So when when you guys look ahead at this twenty twenty season, I have to imagine expectations remain high, given you know two straight years of actually winning the division and and making you know at least getting into the playoffs. I know the playoff runs haven't lasted as long as as Texans would have liked, but do you get a sense that even through all this, I mean, given the success, Bill O'Brien's job is got to be safe for at least the short-term future, right? Like it would take a couple of seasons of struggles and these moves not working out the way he intended before they would make a change, right? I mean, like, hes is it safe to assume he's got a pretty long leash, even if for whatever reason, things don't work out this season as well as they would want?
2: Absolutely. I mean, he was just named officially, which I mean, it speaks to his ego because he wanted to be officially named. The general manager for the Houston Texans, while still wearing the head coaching hat. So I don't think that whatever happens this year unless i mean it's a complete dump show here he's i mean if it's really bad then at some point hopefully we would expect cal McNair to step in but you know i think he has a very long leash and i think it'll be that way for some time i mean it's really always fun linking up with the Locked On podcast family and uh just really kind of hearing what they go through just like they hear what we go through and just vice versa you know the ups and downs of not only talking about a franchise but really being invested in a franchise as well just like we are invested in bringing you guys the shows every day that we love to do i'm John Some sports guy hickman follow me on twitter at some sports guy and now my name reads dr sports guy because i realized if dr field can be a doctor then I've worked in the hospital. I also work around the COVID-19 patients. I can also be a doctor as well.
1: Wow. Okay. And on that note, my name on Twitter is still Cody Davis. And you can follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. That's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24.
2: Hey, Houston, until tomorrow, stay safe, stay sanitized, and stay sane.